You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of On to the Next One. I bet you're thinking to yourself, why do you have an on to the next one right now? There's nothing to match make. There's no UFC card this weekend. But we told you, we have some bonus content for you. And because we recorded last week's show in a bit of a kerfuffle, if you will. I'm sitting there recording in the hotel lobby. You could hear the elevator music in the background from the lobby. I had a bolt real quick so I couldn't address any of the questions that were submitted in terms of matchmaking on my end for UFC Vegas 45. I said we're going to make it up to you. And that's what we're doing. Part two of Ask AK and I Anything. So we solicited questions for you guys to ask myself and the co-matchmaker, the best friend, the Prince of Positivity, Mr. Alex Cayley, who we'll introduce right now. AK, how are you, my friend? Mike, can I just say, well, it was a bit of a kerfuffle, as you mentioned, <clears throat> and you certainly were missed during the uh, listener, you know, the, the normal listener uh, suggestion phase of the podcast i really enjoyed i'm not gonna lie i really enjoyed getting to kind of do that by myself getting to fly solo um but you were missed uh, it's good to have you back and you're right yeah you know we owe our loyal listeners more programming we certainly don't record enough it's not as if there's a ufc card every other week now every actually every week on a good month it's every other week where we can have some breathing room but uh no uh, look it's the holidays we want to spend time with people we love and who do we love more mike than each other one and then, <laughs> and then uh, our our loyal listeners. The Otno community is yes. one of the, uh, oh. the. We're we're like we're we're definitely a family here because so powerful. We support each other and we fight with each other pretty much on a weekly basis. Yes, this is correct. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, we, we solicited questions. I am shocked because when we do shows like this, it's always like a worry of mine that we're gonna get like one question or two or no one's gonna submit anything. But AK sent me an email last night of like some of the questions that we got. I was like, oh my God, like this is a lot of questions. So I appreciate you all very much. AK, I'm sure, feels the same way. And how we're going to handle this is through this list of questions, we're just going to run through as many as we can. We're going to do about 45 minutes of this. Some of these will be short. Some of these will probably be a little bit of a back and forth, but we're going to do the best we can. And that's it, AK. Are you ready? Are full, you ready for this? Full disclosure, uh, I directly harassed some people uh, on Instagram and uh, via email. So uh, thank you, everyone who responded via those outlets. Uh, I mean, not everyone's on Twitter, right? You know, we solicited on Twitter. So I, I, I did it for the community, not because I was like, oh, I hope we don't have I don't think we'll have enough questions. I knew we'd get enough questions, Mike. But just in case for people who only use Instagram or don't use any social media, you know, you got you got to let people know. So uh, thank thank you, everyone. I, I, and I apologize for uh, stepping your stepping your inboxes and DMs. Well, there are some very good questions, and we're mm-hmm. going to start with one one of our most consistent submitters of on to the next one since the very beginning of the show, oh. seventy two episodes down. Jay Steiner, AK, and this might be the most interesting question that I've ever been asked in this MMA space. And here is the question, and I'll start with you. I thought about this for a long time last night. If you could change the result of any fight in MMA history, which fight would it be and why? How did you sort of lay out the blueprint for this? Because oh, this is first. very difficult, yeah. Okay, um, well, it was an easy one for me. Uh, so I'm going with the very obvious, uh, Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor. I'm a huge Jose Aldo fan. Uh, I was already working in the MMA industry when that fight happened, and that just, I think I was, yes, it definitely was. What year was it? What year was that? That was, um, is it 2016. Okay, yeah. So I was definitely already in the industry when this happened. And uh, I was pretty confident that Aldo was going to destroy McGregor whenever that fight happened. You know, it seemed like they were on a collision course for a while, even before the fight was booked. And I was certainly like a fan of McGregor, as most people were. But definitely I thought the hype had like gotten out of control. I thought, uh, you know, the matchmaking was was favorable. And nothing against him. I was like, good. You know, he, he got the matches that 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 he, he uh, that he can win. And that's fine. That's how prize fighting works. The UFC was doing a great job promoting him. But I'm like, the buck stops here. The book stops here with Chelsea Aldo. Uh, and obviously we had the 13 second knockout, the one of the one of the greatest championship, I think, finishes ever. I don't I I know it's a long time ago. Uh, but I mean people to this day still talk about it as they should, because I think Aldo was just again was a wrecking ball up until that point. And then um it, it changed everything. It changed everything, it changed our sport. What makes this answer somewhat complicated for me, Mike, is that I don't know if I would have a job 
uh, if it weren't for the explosion of Conor McGregor. Like I said, I was already in the industry when this happened, but I I don't know if I can speak for everyone and every outlet. I do feel like more outlets started needing MMA people as people like obviously Ronda Rousey first, Conor McGregor started coming up. Um, so I kind of like the boom of McGregor and the continued boom after that win. As everyone can guess, was very beneficial to the uh, to the MMA media as far as coverage goes. So, while I would change it as a fan, it probably worked out better for me in the long run that that did happen. And Conor McGregor went on to again just become an even an even bigger star afterwards. So, kind of a weird answer for me, but I, I would I still would change that one. Maybe I Mike, maybe you and I would never have met if uh, if that, I know horrible thing. I'm sorry, a horrible thing to say. Wow, I know it's a horrible thing to say if that if that had gone differently. But see, since we had met, I had a very good feeling you were going to go with that fight. Okay. So I, I eliminated that right away because that seems like, I don't know if it's the most obvious answer, but yeah. it seems like the first answer people. that pop up. So, a lot of people, yeah. So I, I dug deep. And the first, I was like, just go with the first thing that pops in your mind and just like then start thinking about it. So the first one I thought of was Holly Holm knocking out Ronda Rousey. And the reason I thought of that was... Because we have this discussion, we're asked about this a lot. Like, why isn't Amanda Nunes a bigger star? Imagine if Amanda Nunes was the one to just bolt Ronda Rousey in the first round. Like, mm. not not like as a secondary, not as the follow-up to Holly Holm in the return, where Ronda didn't seem all there. Like, what would that have done to Amanda Nunes' career? Because Holly Holm, to her, and let's be honest, Holly Holm is a very nice individual. But she's not the most, like... I don't know. She's not the most entertaining fighter of all time. Like when she's on the microphone doing interviews, like she's a very professional athlete oriented interview, right? Like Amanda's a little more interesting with her, with her interviews, but she didn't get that same rub that Holly got. So I thought about that, but then the foil to that is that we take away two incredible moments. We take away Nunes beating Rousey later. We take away Misha Tate beating Holly Holm like those are two incredible moments so do I want to sacrifice two maybe three moments for one I said no then I thought about because and I feel like this is going to be a theme for some of these questions and you'll agree with me on this one AK we're on a whole journey already first question Mike I thought about Brian Ortega versus Frankie Edgar because that was a brutal knockout and both ended up getting title shots anyways and we didn't need to see the knockout because both would have gotten title shots no matter what Uh... but that was not my answer my final answer I'm going with Cody Garbrandt becoming the UFC Bantamweight champion against Dominic Cruz because we are now in the midst of one of the all-time falls from graces in the history of this sport. And if Dominic Cruz just went out there and did what most people thought he would that night, went out there and won a five-round decision, we are not having these Cody Garbrandt conversations right now. We're just talking about Cody Garbrandt, an exciting fighter. Could he get back to a title fight at some point? Like, he lost to the GOAT. He lost to the Bantamweight GOAT and Dominic Cruz. No shame in that. There's no shame in that. But then he had all one of the all-time greatest title performances of all time. And to have to try to live up to that for the rest of his career, almost impossible to do. So I think just from a personal standpoint, maybe a psychological level, I'm going to go with that one. Because if Cruz just went out there and did what most people thought he would do, we would not be having these kind of sad Cody Garbrandt conversations. Like, oh, does he fight Sean O'Malley? Oh, we don't want to see him get knocked out anymore. Like, what a difference four three four years makes right ak i mean so i'm going with that one just to be a little outside of the box michael michael was it was it not better to burn twice as bright than twice as long yeah i mean you know (laughs) i don't think cody garfant would change actually all fighters would say pretty much i wouldn't change any moment in my career so i guess that's not really not really a fair question to ask but uh yeah gosh it's crazy to think how uh, the arc the arc of his career because it spiked up so much i mean it's not, it's not like he, when he got the title shot, it wasn't deserved. He was like the number one contender and people were like, oh, okay, you know, but you're right. I think a lot of us picked Dominic Cruz too. And I'd have to go back and check sort of a lot of the media outlets, but I would imagine it's probably 90% Dominic Cruz, 95% probably. Um, yeah, you're right. It has led to some sobering conversations, not just about uh, Cody Garbrandt, but sort of, um, I mean, specifically him, but just fighters in general, you're right. How, how to match make them after hitting such a big high and then clearly hitting a slump. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he would have he would have gone to twenty five sooner, and maybe he'd be the flyweight champion right now. It's just it's just so crazy to think about. But now we have one of the best thirty for thirties in MMA you could possibly make at some point. So, uh, AK, why don't you why don't you ask the next question? All right, our our well, yeah, I I, I have to kind of ask you. I, th- I I hope you have an update on this. Our pal Loctagon, and by the way, Loctagon, we will. I think at some point, I don't know, maybe the upcoming episode or episode soon, we will need your spreadsheet. Of the accumulated Otno points, I don't know what we're gonna do with it, but I know you put a lot of work into it. 
so we'll take a look at that and do something about it. Uh, Loctagon on Twitter asked, uh, any update on the life of Jimmy Flick? Uh, they were truly inspired by his story, and we're kind of always hoping you do well. Where are they now on him? Uh, I mean, my impression was he probably does like one of the reasons he went out is he doesn't want to be doing these. Where are they now features? But Mike, I don't know. You uh, you spoke to Jimmy a bit, and uh, what's your read on where he is in his life now? Okay, so how that first question was a journey. This will not be that. Um, I have a feeling Jimmy Flick and I will be conversing in 2022 at some <laughs> point, early 2022. Um, there's really no update from our last conversation. Mm-hmm. He said he was working on a book. He is in fact working on said book. Uh, it's come a long way. Uh, I think it's actually been like made print at this point. I don't think it like from what I understand. The last I talked to Jimmy, this is probably like two months ago. He said early 2022, the book would be released. So he's been working on that. Uh, still wow. watching the sport, as you can see if you follow him on social media. He still makes picks for fights. He's still very much into watching the sport. He's just not competing in the sport. And he's focusing on the book and, and trying to tell his crazy story in hopes to help people. Like, if you want to go back, watch my interview with Jimmy Flick right after he announced his retirement. Um, it's basically the same. What he planned to do is what he's actually doing right now. So that's the update. Um, I haven't really wanted to bother him for interviews. But once the book is about to be released, he is going to jump back on me with me. And we'll uh, we'll have a where, where are they now sort of conversation. So in terms of when there that's happening, TBD, but it's happening. There's a little preview though, but I mean his book is almost ready to come out. That's that's a uh, that's a pretty quick turnaround because his retirement. When did he retire now? God, uh, first half of this, May. You have to say first half of this year. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just j- j- say, just around now. Uh, sure. May eighth. May eighth. So he. Oh no! Before trans- that, he was because he was scheduled to fight Francisco Figueroa. It was in April. Oh okay. April April tenth was the day he actually retired. But he's turning this book around in less than a year. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Hey, George R R. He needs to get some pointers to George R R Martin. Hey, the guy's been working this book for like twelve years or whatever. Maybe uh, help him with that with the winds get winds of winter out there. Ask Jimmy Flick for some tips on uh, cranking out that work. George, come on. Yeah, I think he's just been focusing on it for the last eight or so months. So good on him. Uh, good question though. Joga Bonito on Twitter. Is it fair to say, AK, that 125 is the fastest growing women's division in terms of talent? And with the addition of tu- the addition of tough added to it for 2022, will it surpass the strawweight division as the quote unquote best female division in 2022? Again, overall talent, not just the four ladies on top. Your thoughts on flyweight contending with strawweight as maybe the most talent laden division in the UFC, or at least in 2022? Is that the dealio? Was that the the report that there's going to be it's going to be flyweights for the next season of Holden Fighter? Yeah, that's one. That, that was one of them. Well, that it was fly, one of them. women's flyweights and middleweight, I think. Um, <laughs> oh no, 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 no. What was it? Hold on. It is. Men. Right, you had, you it, answer it, that. It, while it, I it is men and women. It is men. At two, uh, one women's division and one men's division. There is a men's division and a oh, women's okay. division. They've never done, they've never uh, done two it? women's divisions, I don't think. I think it's always been – if any time they had a women's division and it's two weight classes, it's always uh, one half men, half women. I would like to see them do – uh, It's heavyweights from uh, from reports. Uh, really? Yes. So like the uh, – Women's oh, flyweights no. and heavyweights. Okay, okay. Not, not, it's not like the uh, – And I think the UFC actually announced that themselves. Yeah, they did. They did on during one of the broadcasts. I'm the number one. Everyone knows I'm the number one tough guy. I guess I don't really care until it actually comes on. Then I just start watching. But um, <laughs> we've been, I mean, like you and I have been championing this division for a while. Like we said, it, it took some time to get going. I remember when it first started, everyone was kind of like, oh, is there enough talent for it? But then talent migrated down from 135, up from 115. And and this was certainly the busiest division uh, of uh, the three women's weight classes in the UFC. A lot of movement. Yes, Valentina at the top of rock. You know, no one's knocking her off anytime soon. But as far as contenders go, you have a great mixture. If you just look at sort of the top 30 names of veterans, up and comers, you've got Casey O'Neill coming up there. Um, And a lot a lot of good names. And Molly McCann's a good fighter. Uh, well, what else we got here? We, and then we had oh, uh, Alexa Grasso's in there now. Uh, she didn't get to fight last time, unfortunately. Again, you still have veterans. Jessica Andrade, I don't know where she's fighting next, but Caitlin Chukagian, Lauren Murphy. Uh, Tyler Santos, another name coming up. Can't believe I almost didn't mention her. So, yeah, it's been one of the best women's divisions for a while. Certainly, it's above 135. Is it above straw weight already? I wouldn't go that far. I do, I do think if you take the top 15 at strawweight and the top 15 at uh, uh, flyweight, I would probably lean towards strawweight. But it's closer than people think. I do, I do think it's closer than people think. Flyweight has been the most exciting division, uh, women's division, in the UFC uh, this year. I think 2022 is too early. 
I think, I mean, there's exciting things happening. You meant all these prospects coming up. I think the, I don't even know who's going to be on the tough season. I'm very interested and intrigued to see like who will be on there, but I expect that I expect some very interesting names from the, from the prospect realm. Um, but I would say it's tough. And I know we're talking about up and down and across the board with Valentina as champion. It, it makes things a little more difficult because just as good as, these fighters are they're just so far away from her so while i think 2022 is a bit premature i think 2023 2024 for sure some more developments let these women get some fights it could get there um and then he asked a second question i believe um so we'll talk about how well uh dustin poirier would do at uh 170 against each of the top 10 contenders i think we'll generalize this a little bit so we don't have to go through all of them but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then he asked does he even beat Bilal muhammad same walk weight as colby so he can't be undersized right so um i'll start first and i'll let you go i actually think poirier does pretty well at 170 he's huge at 155 he cuts a ton of weight and he's still very good i would actually favor him against Bilal right now um and just let me look at our rankings real quick and just i think yeah. luke i think luke is a tough fight but yep. i think he's competitive there uh, I'd favor him against Wonderboy, although Wonderboy probably won't be ranked number five in our rankings come January. I think he's competitive with Gilbert Burns. I think he'd be competitive with Leon. Colby, he would definitely be competitive because they know each other so well. Usman's just a really tough matchup for everybody, but I still think he'd be somewhat an interesting underdog in that fight because he's so talented. Uh, so can he beat some of these guys, AK? Yes. Am I super confident? Not really, but... He wouldn't have to cut all the extra weight, so maybe he maybe he's just a better fighter that way. I don't know. I think he's competitive, but I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, if he goes into 170, he's going to be a world champion. Yeah, uh, he's a top 10 welterweight, I think, easily. I think easily he's a top 10 welterweight. Like you said, I, I probably would favor him against Bilal. That's a matchup that uh, quite a few people uh, – there's a few people – I know, it was brought up on, on uh, the last episode of – uh, of on to the next one. I don't agree necessarily with the notion that he wouldn't be undersized. Um, let me, what's a nice way to put this? There is no nice way to put this. I have to I have to knock myself here. I'm probably also close in walk around weight to uh, Colby Covington, and let's just say physically we are not the same. Uh, should we step into the octagon? So walk around weight does not necessarily dictate how they would like actual strength and uh, you know density, sort of your body density uh, when you know when we're talking about how people match up physically. I mean he wouldn't be like tiny. He wouldn't be like a tiny welterweight. But he wouldn't be on the bigger end. I think you, like you would notice if he was in there with a Colby, with uh, Kamaru Usman, uh, some other names. Some definitely, some definitely, some other names in there who I think would look would look pretty big. But I mean, guys like uh, Masvidal, Gilbert Burns, these guys had also competed at lightweight before, so that's the thing to keep in mind. They kind of are also just fighting at welterweight. It's a more comfortable weight for them. Maybe Poirier is moving that direction. Also, just physically, he's uh, what's Poirier now? Like thirty, right? He's still pretty young, right? Ish, yeah. Yeah, so he's his body i mean theoretically is still changing so he could just be that uh it is time for him to mold into a welterweight so i would love to see it i would love to see it it's a shame that he has to move just because again he's had a couple of cracks at the light at the top of the lightweight division um and only you know has an interim title because he's still clearly a top three top four lightweight in the world but in mma you do have to keep things fresh in the eyes of the fans and probably for yourself as well as competitors so i do think we see that 170 move but he's he's top 10 no problem uh, Poirier will be 33 in January. Oh, 33. Okay, so but maybe still. a little past the body changing pace. But you never know. Yeah, if we're rounding up, if we're rounding up and down right now, he's, I would say 30, <laughs> more than 35. Uh, <laughs> what? Else? All right, you're up, AK. All right, let me go to uh, our pal Tune on IG. Uh, everyone's gonna want to know this. Um, what do you predict is the next fight for McGregor? Can he be the? Ch- more importantly, can he be the champ at 155 again, Mike? I'll address the first question off the bat i think he just because of timing i think he will fight poirier one more time it might be at 170 timing of course is everything in terms of becoming the lightweight champion boy it would have to be like the connor rise part two right it'd have to be lightning in a bottle but i mean again let me pull up the rankings here i'd have a hard time favoring him in any matchup at 155 Oliveira, absolutely not gaichi nope. i think stylistically nope. he'd actually have a chance yeah but he'd have but to no. bolt him in the first three minutes yeah. so i'd yeah. actually favor gaichi there dariush yeah. would be kind of interesting but this this version of dariush looks to be a nightmare matchup for him makachev would be an absolutely no. terrifying yeah. nightmare we know how that would go yeah <laughs> and chandler would be interesting if he had a gaichi-esque game plan where he just went in there and threw hands with connor but if he wrestled connor he'd beat him easily 
and Ferguson would be a fine matchup, but I don't even know if I'd favor him against Tony right now. No, you got to keep know. going. So, I, no, I don't RDA, think he'll be... RDA, I might still favor RDA. I mean, if we finally got that one somehow, I probably would still favor RDA. Yeah, he's got two fights left, and I also don't think he'll resign. I just yeah. don't. I think there's more money to be made outside of it. So, no, I do not think he will be a champion again in the UFC, but there's still at least two very big fights for him. Yeah, I'm I'm down with all that. I will I do want to read Tune's other question as well. They asked who would win who would win a boxing match between Henry Cejudo and Shaquille O'Neal. First of all, I'll say if you want to see Shaq boxing, there is a couple of clips out there. He had that show Shaq versus. Do you remember Shaq versus yes. Mike? Where he would just participate with other athletes in their sport. A really really cool idea. Uh, he did a couple of boxing matches. Actually, he boxed he boxed uh, Austria La Hoya first, and then I think season two Shane Mosley. Yep. And the De La Hoya fight was kind of uneventful. I think De La Hoya clearly won. The, the Shane Mosley fight is pretty wild. I don't know if the full fight's out there, but there's definitely highlights of it. It gets, like, really violent. And uh, Shane Mosley also won that one as, like, a five-rounder by decision. But it's pretty scary how aggressive Shaq could be. Uh, Shaq later said about the De La Hoya fight, like, oh, I kind of took it easy on him. But, like, you know, he was probably taking it easy on Shaq as well. Same with Mosley. I don't think anyone's throwing full force, like, shots. So if it was like a do-or-die matchup, I, I just don't see how Shaq could beat any professional fighter. So I, I'd go with Cejudo. I know he's quite a bit smaller, but I'm sure Cejudo could outbox Shaquille O'Neal. If Joe Johnson can play in the NBA in 2022 <laughs> wow. for the Boston Topical. Celtics, Topical. Uh, then <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal could beat Henry Cejudo in a boxing match. Breaking news. Well, it won't be by the time this airs. But yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. Like, I don't know if Cejudo can land a shot to the head of Shaq. Like, he'd just have to run around, and Shaq would probably just <laughs> need to hit him one time. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll lean with the diesel. And then he, uh, oh. and then he gets on the mic and, and sings "I Know I Got Skills" from <laughs> from his first rap oh. album in the 1990s. Sorry, Triple C. Sorry. Uh, Nivethan Kuganantham. Kuganantham. I'm my I man apologize. from Markham. No worries, my man yes. from Markham. Uh, I wanted to revisit a question I asked on Otno in September. With what we know now, do you think McGregor versus DS3 will happen outside of the UFC? Ak. I. I... Outside the UFC, I don't know. I, I, I'm not as confident as everyone that Diaz is done with the UFC. I think everyone is saying he's going to fight one more and leave. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the way Diaz goes. He's very hard. Obviously, he's super hard to predict. He is the definition of mercurial. I think when we bring up that word, we bring it up with him and guys like him and like Uriah Hall. Um, so I, I just don't know what happens outside the UFC. I think that if it, do, if it ever does happen, I've always thought it would happen inside the octagon. Um, I'm still confident it will. I know things are complicated. Like we always say, with we kind of again we kind of touched upon this with McGregor's injury. Um, does he fight Poirier again instead? He has a McGregor always has so many options, but I think he he knows how much money there is now in the trilogy. So I'm predicting that Diaz will eventually come back to the UFC, and uh, we do see it happen. Um, so no, no, not outside. Hmm. I will say, God. I will say it does happen outside of the UFC. I will say it does happen. Okay. That's if Nate Nate wants to fight Dustin Poirier. And if they can ah. make that fight, if they can put that on the on the books by March, I think it happens. If not, I think we'll have the same Diaz versus the UFC kind of conversation. If Connor's ready to come back, maybe they'll just do it and just get it done. Um, but I think if it's not on the books by like, if we don't see that fight announced by like May, June, July ish then no i don't think it happens in in the ufc i think i think ever, nate will ever. be gone not in the ufc i think i think once nate's done i think he's done i yeah, really yeah, do I mean, that's true that i'll agree with if he leaves i don't think he's coming back that that i will agree with i just don't think he's leaving yeah the, the ufc could play hardball with him and just not let him fight and just keep him under contract because i don't i i feel like they could be a little a little childish with this whole thing and be like well we're not just gonna like let you go and go fight jake paul for a whole bunch of money like we want to like milk this value for as long as we can so we're just not gonna let you fight we'll just keep extending you and if we can't get on the same page like you just won't fight and then you won't go and fight jake paul or anybody else so i think at some point nate will get that fight he'll fight anybody and then he just goes on and maybe he starts his own boxing promotion like i think nate he should yeah i think nate fighting jake would be would be big and i think nate could do his own promotion and put his guys on the card, and Jake put put his guys on the card, and I think Jake would co-promote with Nate to make that fight massive. Like I really do, and I think Connor and Nate could do the same thing in the boxing world. Like I, we're seeing it with YouTube channels and fighters and past fighters, and now we're seeing 
former fight. We're seeing all these different boxing promotions and all this stuff. We're seeing Khabib promote. We're seeing all these different things going on. I would not shock me the least to see all these fighters being like, oh, look what Habib's doing. Like, I could do this, but I could do it with boxing. And I could do it better than Jake Paul and Habib. So there's lots of money to be made outside of the UFC. And I think the that's why I said I was telling media members while I was out in Tampa, the next three years of combat sports, what it's going to look like, like what this whole space is going to look like in 2024, 2025, it's so fascinating to me. I have no idea. It's like when we're in elementary school, AK, we're like, remember, in the year 2000, cars are going to fly. Cars <laughs> yeah, are going to yeah. do this. Like that's what, we, these conver- that's what these conversations are going to be like the next couple of years, like what the combat sports space is going to look like. Mike, you saw Evander Holyfield box live Ugh. in in person in the year of our Lord, 2021. This happened. You were there, so so we, we you know it wasn't a trick of the light. You, I mean, you if you saw it on TV, you might say, oh, it was like computer graphics. You were there. This happened in front of you, <laughs> and you did nothing to stop it. First of all, I, I tried. <laughs> I tried. I interviewed him, and I thought that interview enough would get him pulled from that <laughs> would fight. Shut, would shut it down. It was, the commission would see the interview and back, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait my gosh. Uh, um, you want to ask the other question? Yeah, these two are kind of are kind of related. So I'm going to tie these two questions together. So uh, Nevathan also wants to know, we had a question about Mike Brown and American Top Team. Uh, Mike Brown had a tough December going, oh, wait, am I, wait, Mike Brown. I'm, I'm not getting this mixed up, right? These two no, questions uh, yeah, make sense. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Everything's jumbled on my mind. Uh, Mike Brown, a uh, coach, of course, had a tough December going 0-3 with three of his biggest fighters. On the opposite end, Trevor Whitman, 3-0 the month before. Do you think more private gyms that focus on only a couple of fighters are more beneficial? And that uh, we've got another question IG from Luke Pak Mirage who was saying uh, they thought that American Top Team premier gym in MMA, but considering what happened to Amanda Nunes, Dustin Poirier, um, are they still – they had several other high-profile losses, Tiago Santos, Masvidal, Woodley, uh, Horiguchi, etc., do you think this lack of success will hurt their status or position in the MMA world? So kind of a two-parter there. Uh, ATT, did they get dinged up their reputation a bit? And also, um, is it better for some fighters to maybe move to a smaller camp that focuses more on more on them? Man, this is a tough one because, hmm. I mean, it's each fighter is different and they like things in different ways. I still, as, as tough as maybe some of these losses are, I don't think it really dings ATT that much because... Again, let's just kind of go back and, and look at the fighters themselves. Amanda Nunes, we've talked about this a million times. She has been known as the greatest women's fighter of all time for quite some time. She's fought everybody and she's beat everybody. And she has to be on her A game for all these fights and has has had to do that for a very long time. Sometimes, eventually that catches up with everybody. Like, even... Not, I mean, not Habib. Habib is the unicorn in this situation, but also took him. He also hasn't had to be in that spot as long as some of these fighters have had to do it. So, uh, Nunez is kind of a different story. Poirier, too, like two fights with Connor, the career he's had. He's been at this for a long time. He, what that belt meant to him, the way he approached the first round, and, a Nunez, and Nunez as well. I don't, you can't blame ATT for that. Like, this is how the fighters approach the fights like you can't just blame the coach you can't blame mike brown so forth and so on and it's kind of the same thing like santos won his last fight and he's getting ready to fight ankalaev so he wins uh jorge mazadal i think we're maybe he should not just not as good like we talk about lightning in a bottle this could be lightning in a bottle like what mazadal did in 2019 that was lightning in a bottle that was the pure definition of it like it was just it was like a good thing for mazadal to like have success because we've been waiting for one of those ogs to to, to have that ride and, and ride that magic carpet. And I feel like that's what Mazadal did. But now you have you had, to, you had to fight Usman twice, who's the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. I don't think anybody beats Usman right now. The only person I think who can beat Kamara Usman is Colby Covington, and Usman beat him again. Woodley, I don't know if we... He's not really... A, he's kind of an ATT guy. He's born and raised, but not really... He's more of a St. Louis guy, Dean Thomas' mm-hmm. coach. Horiguchi was was winning every second yes. of that Sergio Pettis fight. He just got caught. So, uh, yeah, I don't have – I'm not ready to give up on ATT or even oh, like no. lower their level that no, much. No. I just feel like it was just a tough stretch. Trevor Whitman's had tough stretches throughout his career, and now Trevor Whitman is is up the top, and that's why he's the coach of the year. So, there you go. I think every coach has had their ups and downs. Every fighter's had their ups and downs, and coaches are no different, and gyms are no different. 
Yeah, by my count, American Top Team has about 25 fighters, not counting affiliates. This isn't even counting like you know the various affiliates. This is just the Florida location. Uh, about 25 fighters in the UFC, which is 10 more. This is a rough count, by the way, guys. 10 more than some of the closest ones like Extreme Couture, Alpha Male, uh, Jackson Wink MMA. So they're still doing very, very well. Fortis MMA is actually up there as well. Uh, but they're still doing very, very well. Again, the fact that they're even in these high-profile fights shows you how much the the you know the gym is thriving. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you're right. I don't think too many people would make that connection and say, well, it must be something going on with the gym. But I do like the notion that some of these fighters would consider – you know, having a, having a change to a smaller, more intimate setting. I don't know. For some people, it would help them. Some people wouldn't. It really depends on the fighter, and it depends on the setting. Trevor Whitman again has had a really, really has had a lot of success with sort of a somewhat smaller team. Um, and again, that's sort of the way it goes in pro boxing, right? Pro boxing camps are normally geared towards you know building up one fighter, and that's just not how MMA is. So, will we see more of that in MMA? I doubt it. Um, but I would, I do think some fighters could benefit from it, but maybe not the names mentioned, not like a, Amanda Nunes and. Dustin Poirier, I think they've been doing just fine in this big camp setting. Yeah, I mean, to to each their own. Colby's been at ATT. wasn't for him. He went to MMA Masters, but he's not mm-hmm. like a full-fledged member of MMA Masters. He just mm-hmm. built his crew to train there. He works with some of the coaches, brought in some of their fighters, and it's like a team tailor-made for him. So, yeah, I mean, it, all fighters would like to get to that point where they are financially steady enough to just build their own teams around them. It's just not that way for everybody at this point in their career. So, I think tough stretch, but yeah, I, I don't think this hurts ATT uh, at all for for as a whole. So uh, Tristan uh, Tristan Gordet, my old buddy, in your opinion. I, uh, by the way, uh, I, I, by the way, I, I so I said this uh, as Mike said at the beginning. I kind of I kind of turned these into a readable list. I sanitized this e- uh, this email for us. There's there's a lot of trash talk and there's a lot of trash talk in there, Mike. I cut it out. I cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> there was also a lot of well wishing. He, he had some very nice things to say about us in the podcast, and and uh, you know wishing us the best. Same to you, Tristan. Same to you. But I did have to take out some some Tristan trash talk, as you're familiar with. Oh yeah, I could already tell this email is like ten times shorter than it normally would be. <laughs> uh, in your opinion, do you think the UFC has to do a better job on which up and coming prospects should be brought along solely, and which prospects should be fast tracked to the top? We've seen fighters such as Casey O'Neill and Tom Aspinall wanting to move up slowly so they can gain more experience, while others like Chris Dacus, Edmund Shabazian, and Jimmy Crute have been fast-tracked to face a top-10 opponent. I mean, how do you balance this where you don't ruin a prospect's confidence, AK? So Tristan's pretty confident that you are... I think he sees you as a bit of a taskmaster and a bit of... uh, He said, like, you know, you like just mashing... Uh, just he he seemed to imply that you love throwing prospects into the wood chipper, which I don't think is true. Uh, but that <laughs> uh, we said it like we wish once you reach the UFC level, there was a way. Maybe make creative use of contender series. So we've had other ideas for that as well, like using it more for like a redemption show as well. But why not throw keep it also just like when someone signs a contender series contract, why not keep them fighting like have a couple of fights of contender series? You know, they go from contender series signee to contender series main eventer. You know, and you build a whole contender series episode around like a, a Casey O'Neill, right? Uh, not that she needs it, but you know, just just an example of a good fighter um, who could be at risk of getting rushed too soon in the near future. Um, imagine if Sage Northcutt had again had sort of come around this time when there was a contender series, and he could have been he would have been the poster child for this uh, the streaming show. This new streaming show would have been a test for him. It would have been a test for the program. So that there's so many ways they could play around with matching up prospects. Uh, Chris Dock is a bit of a tricky one. He kind of fought his way into the top 10. The Derek Lewis matchup made a lot of sense. So I don't know if you can knock the UFC there. Sure, you could have fed Chris Dock a few more whatever lower-ranked guys. I just don't know what that would have done for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, Edmund Shabazzian is definitely a weird one. Uh, Jimmy Crude's kind of in between. I think he fought his way... I think the Anthony Smith matchup made sense, but I agree. People, you know, do you want to see him fight lower ranked guys, short, and keep building? And, um, but yeah, no, I, I wish the UFC would take more time. I wish they could afford to take more time. Maybe they can now, uh, with how, I mean, the shape of the roster is so different. There's so many unproven talents that you know maybe they can afford to have someone who's on a three or four fight win streak still fight medium, you know, mid tier people. That's my hope. Um, but yes, I kind of agree with the sentiment of, of the question, which is I, I do wish uh, the UFC would just be a little more a little more delicate with their prospects, um, depending which division they're in. I actually don't have like a huge problem with how they're 
with how they presented some of their prospects like yeah you can you can make argue, and you could do the same thing with bellator like if you really wanted to you could do the same thing with bellator but for the most part bellator is praised about how they build up their prospects like give them wins like it's almost the boxing model get them in there look good build them up aj mckee that's always like the prime example they aj mckee is the, the homegrown guy all of his fights for the most part with bellator now he's the world champion and one of the best 45ers on on the planet regardless of promotion so but there's there's ways to get it. There's people who thought putting Aaron Pico in with Henry Corrales was was terrible matchmaking in hindsight, but it really wasn't. Like there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. So Casey O'Neill and but and, and this is the other thing. Casey O'Neill and Tom Aspinall get on the microphone or do interviews and say, "Listen, I'm in no rush. I'm in twenty. I'm 24 years old. Like I don't want to get fast tracked too quickly. Like I don't want to fight Valentina uh, in my fifth or sixth UFC fight. Like." I want to savor the flavor. I want to enjoy the ride. And there are other fighters who are like, I'm ready to fight for the title now. And the UFC is like, okay, you want to fight for the title now? Now you get to fight Derek Lewis. Yeah. Like, it, And sometimes it's just some of the wins that you get and some of the names on your resume, there's no choice but to submit. But but to, Chris Doc is fighting Derek Lewis. Everybody thought that was the right fight to make. Everybody. Everybody got a piece of an Otno point when that fight was made. Mm-hmm. Edmund Shabazian fighting Derek Brunson. Yeah, I think it took a little too long. We got to see Brunson get a win. Like... It just got kept getting pushed back. These are the fights Shabazi won. She went in, he went in there and just destroyed Brad Tavares, destroyed him at MSG on pay per view. Like, what are you supposed to do? Get him, like, send him back, like, send him back and fight. Like, the, you win a fight like that, you need to fight a top ten guy or at least right around there. It's not like they put him in there and you know he fought a top five guy. They didn't throw him in there with Chris Weidman. They didn't throw him in there with anybody crazy. Like. I felt like Derek Brunson at the time, like little did we know how good Derek Brunson has gotten. Derek Brunson went away for the title, but we didn't know that back then. We thought it might be a tough matchup, but a good test for Edmund. I Jimmy, picked Shabazian. I picked Shabazian. Yeah, a lot sure. of, and a lot pretty of people sure did. Shabazian. A lot yeah. of people did. Jimmy Crute fighting Anthony Smith wasn't a bridge too far because no. Smith had lost two in a row and badly. He fought Devin Clark, which just happened to be like, this is where we're at right now. He gets a quick submission in a main event spot, but like, Jimmy Crute was like a good was like a good test for Anthony Smith more than Jimmy Crute was for Anthony like the other way around. So it's tough. No, it's not perfect, but I don't think the UFC does a terrible job with this. Casey O'Neill fighting Roxanne Modafferi is the perfect fight to make. Very good. Perfect fight to make. We'll see what happens next. If they throw her in there with a top five fighter who's just like a murderer, if they throw her in there with like Jessica Andrade after that, that's that's a little crazy. That's too much too soon. You know what else? Good that uh, Fioro and Jessica I is also they're ha- they're handling the O'Neill and Fioro situations very very well. Perfect. I will say, yeah, they they are they as the per they're both three and They're both now fighting veterans who are you know probably on their way down you know downwards. They're handling them very. Well. I hope that's a matchup that I would say I don't want to see those two have to fight for a long time. If it happens, awesome. I, I'd watch it. Like I'm not against it, but. I think they're handling them perfectly. Yeah, I, I will say though, I think I think we agree on this that I wish they could recalibrate a bit better. Like uh, coming off a loss, like after Edmund lost to Brunson, and then now I feel like they're 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 mishandling him a little bit. But yeah, the Jack Hermanson matchmaker was was atrocious. That was terrible. Uh, all right, let me get to some sort of okay. Uh, sorry, this one just came in, but it's pretty easy. This is sort of like a yes or no answer, Mike. Uh, from Smoky Baby, also from our pal Rand Odenheimer uh, via email. They kind of want to know. Well, first, it's a bit of a two part. Smoky Baby, is it time for female atom weights uh, in the UFC? Uh, Danielle Kelly, present, uh, upcoming Brazilian Jiu Jitsu star, she's grappling Rose Namajunas soon at, uh, at the end of the month. Uh, says she would compete at 105 in MMA. Uh, some fighters like Loma is re- are really, you know, she's a 105er as well. What do you think? Uh, and they could sign some people from one from from overseas. Uh, what do you think? Adam, sh- time? Yeah, they should have done this like four years ago, but I don't think it's going to happen. Sorry, now, I don't see it happening. Ren wants to know, and I guess this is in the wake of Mr. Justin Taffa missing, uh, you know, missing the heavyweight limit by a pound. What would you, if you had to choose one, Mike, let's say in 2022 to be introduced, Adam weight or super heavyweight, men's super heavyweight? No, no super heavyweight. <laughs> no uh, super- there, there are many promotions out Come there. On. There are many promotions out there where you could find some delightful super heavyweight action, uh, not in the UFC. I would actually rather see, man, this is tough. Like, I, I think I would. I think there's enough meat for 105. I definitely think there's enough meat for 105. I think... There's definitely okay, enough okay, meat I'm going to change... There's definitely enough meat for 266 plus. I'll tell you that. It's a lot of meat out there. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change... I'm going to change my answer slightly. Okay. If the UFC does not sign Kayla Harrison, 105 has a chance. If they sign Kayla Harrison, we're not going to see a 105 pound division. Because if they sign oh, yeah. Kayla, they're going to 
they're going to yeah. build this division back up. Keeps 145 That's alive again. Division. Yeah. That's it. Resuscitates uh, it. Resuscitates it. But if Kayla stays with the PFL, well, even then with the PFL. If Kayla signs with Bellator, there's a, I, I think 105 has a very good chance of, of happening. Not a very good chance, but there's a chance. So, yeah, it's tough. But, yeah, mm-hmm. super heavyweight, no. I'd rather see a cruiserweight division. I'd rather see a 225 sure. than, a, than a super heavyweight. Give me the supers. Give me the supers. Of course you. You and Jed would love the supers. <laughs> Absolutely. We can find that on Fight Circus or all, <laughs> all these other fun events. Uh, all right, I'll go to FFS08. Yeah, we, we can jump around a little bit here. Yeah, yeah FFS0807. I have a request. Is it possible that you, that other site, that other site, the Schmo, <laughs> that other site, MacLife, et cetera, our join rivals, forces to, find a, to finally tell us where are Crone Gracians to beat Magomed Sheriffov? Uh, nobody really knows. Uh, Crone, especially. Zabit, like, there's who knows? At least talked about it enough, done a bunch of interviews to the media tours. Um, so that's kind of up in the air. Crone, I have no idea. And I don't he think could anybody be done knows. with MMA. Honestly, Crone could just be done with MMA. Yeah. He could have, this happens to a lot of, I don't want to just single out the Gracies, but this happens to, this has happened to a few Gracie fighters where they lose one fight and they're like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he's, was, when he's ready to fight, yeah. when he's ready to fight, he'll fight. He's always been kind of an enigma. Uh, how do you explain the lack of books biography about MMA? P.S. People want to show where Mike and Jed discuss hot topics, the biggest news in the combat sports world. Uh, by the time this thing drops, you can go back and listen to BTL second week in a row. Uh, Jed and I oh. paired up. Um, we're waiting. I was going to say the finals is going to happen soon. Um, but Jed and I talked about Jake Paul knocking out Tyron Woodley, and then we did a promotional airing of grievances. So go check that out. Um, but how do you explain the lack of books biography about MMA? Okay, there are some out there, of course, yeah. but maybe not enough. Again, it really just has to, anything like that. There has to be a market for, right? If there's money to be made in in uh, people reading those biographies, then there will be. But uh, you know, you'll only have so far. There's only been a few spikes of interest, like a Ronda Rousey book and like a, a Paige Van Zandt book, things like that. So what happens? Conor McGregor, of course. Um, it, it just it, it, there just needs to be more people on that level. Like uh, I remember pro wrestling. There used to be no pro wrestling books, and then Mick Foley came out with one, The Rock, and then suddenly, like, uh, Bret, Bret Hart has an amazing one, Chris Jericho, and now now it's like there's so many pro wrestling biographies. So MMA has to reach that level. The other issue is um, uh, UFC controls so much of the history. That this is so this is a tricky thing. The UFC controls so much of the history and so much of the narrative, uh, and the access to a lot of the current stars is pretty limited. Um, so. You, it's hard to create that full picture uh, without the UFC, not necessarily helping out, but sort of just sort of easing up on, um, you know, the access that's allowed. So uh, popularity would be number one. There just, there just has to be a market for it. If there's no market, then you're not going to, I mean, you're just not going to see a lot of books. There's a little spike there for a while, BJ Penn, Frank, um, uh, Forrest Griffin, excuse me. But uh, GSP, I think, has one too. But it kind of, you know, Bisping, I could name everyone, but it's it's a smattering. It's a smattering. It's there's not a market for it yet, so that's the main reason. But also the UFC, just how much control they have over the history is uh, is another thing. Yeah, I just don't think there's been enough on the history of MMA. I just it's just because, and it's a different sport. Baseball, you can go back and you can almost compare to different things. Mm-hmm. MMA just never stops. There's no off season. Like you can't take. Yeah. You know, we have these. The World Series just ended. We have five months. So what are we going to do in these five months? Oh, we're going to go back in history. We're going to write a book. We're going to have Hall of Fame voting. We're going to do this and do that. MMA doesn't have a, like this is this right now is our break from MMA. This is our off season. It's four it. freaking weeks. That's, That's all it. We get. That's all. That's we get. it. And we don't even really have one because Ryzen is New Year's Eve, which is always a great card. And we should be highlighting that. But the UFC is back January 15th, and then it's just off to the races again. That's our, just how we are. Our 2021 year-end awards and articles will barely be lukewarm by the time there's like 45 more fights in UFC, Bellator, One, Ryzen. It just moves so quickly. Yeah, you're right. Where is the time to take stock, and where do you say, well, I'm going to write about this era, or I'm going to write about this time, period of time? It, 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 there's no end. There's no beginning, and there is no end. It's just, it's just ongoing forever. How much time we got, Mike? Uh, we got... We could probably go like 10 more minutes. Oh, right. this All question right. just came in. This is kind of a, a, oh, a debatable topic right now. Right, right. Uh, James Clement on Instagram asks, will Bilal Muhammad fight Hamza Shemaev next? No. I say absolutely not. I think, <laughs> I listen, I, I like Bilal Muhammad a lot. I've been following his career since he was on the regional scene. Been interviewing him for a long time. He made a gigantic mistake. At the end of his win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, he should have called out Hamzat then 
then, okay? You call out Leon, you call out Usman. You have no chance at either of those two fights right now, bro. You just don't. You could have been right there and cut that a fiery promo on Hamzat. And if you had done that right then and there, you might have got this fight. And then you went to your post-fight interview. Then you went to the scrum and you said, I would rather fight Hamzat for the title and not in a title eliminator. So again, now you're saying, okay, I'll fight him, but it'd be more beneficial for us both if we fight for the belt. And now two days later, he's out doing interviews with everybody saying, and he's putting out memes. Yeah, give me the Shamaya fight. Dude, you had your chance. You had your chance to get it. You didn't get it. Now you're not going to. They're going to give it to Neil Magny. If you took that time right then and there and just cut a fiery promo right there, only on Shemaev, not Usman, not Leon, nobody else. Shemaev, you did a Nate Diaz on Shemaev. You'd be getting the fight. Your next fight would be against Shemaev. It'd probably be in February or March on pay-per-view, on a main card. You would have got that fight, but you waited too long. You waited too long. Sorry. Mic drop. Mic drop. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think anyone has done the immediate post-fight call-out of Kamzat, right? I could be wrong. I, I don't know if... Maybe Magny. I think Magny might be the only one. Did he one. do it, his, in the, in, but it, it like in, in the cage after he won? Yeah, I don't know. When was the okay, last time? I don't remember. Was, Ma- Magny's last fight was in the castle. He, he won after that, right? I have to go back. This is so yeah, many please. Again, guys, this, this year has been like 38 months long. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, it's... Oh, no, he did. He fought Jeff Neal. And I and believe he, he did call for Shamaya. Okay, that. okay. So Magni is the one. But yeah, I mean, look, Balad, you got to you got to put it on TV. You got to get it on tape, recorded. I mean, yes, I know you said he brought it up during the post fight and, and, and uh, wanting a championship fight with comes up. But get it on TV. Get it on ESPN Plus. Get that clip going. You know, circulating so Dana White can't pull this. Nobody wants to fight Hamzat. I don't get it. Nobody wants to fight him. It's like there's a lot of people who want to fight Hamzat. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I'm not sure why you're pushing this narrative. But uh, Bilal's certainly one of them, and we know Neil Magny's one of them. And you're right, Mike. He's Neil Magny is way way ahead in the Hamzat sweepstakes. Uh, I would say than Bilal, unfortunately. All right, let's rapid fire some of these. Trip Harper, our good friend. Yeah. Um... Well, let me ask, yeah. Well, let me ask. You can skip the first. He kind of wants to know how I got in the business. Trip, I'll send you a DM about that. It's not. It's less than epic. Uh, yeah. But Mike, who's one guy you've never interviewed uh, or spoke with that you always wanted to? Tyron Woodley. Tyron that's Woodley. That's, really? That's the that's the sit down interview I've always wanted, and like I had the chance. Like I was literally out there, and I really wanted it. I was like, not the interview that I've always wanted with Tyron Woodley, but just something like I've never had the chance like I've asked some questions and scrums and stuff but I've never had like a one-on-one interview with Tyron he's always been at the top of the list but mm. in terms of like 30 minute like sit down like let's just hit record and get after it Woodley's the guy especially now especially after everything that he's gone through the whole thing with Jake Paul getting knocked out like that the way he's handling it which by the way is absolutely amazing I that, that, that's still number one for me that might be even higher a higher number one than it was before going into the Jake Paul wow. fight uh, GSP for me, obviously, I'd love to sit down and talk with GSP sometime. Uh, anyone ever make you starstruck? Uh, no. <laughs> no, not particularly. No. Uh, the Island Boys. Maybe the Island Boys. Probably the, <laughs> probably the first time I ever did an interview. My first one ever was with uh, Benson Henderson. So I was... But I don't know. I kept it together. I don't know. We'll see. I have the audio somewhere. My voice could be shaking. I could be crying the whole time as far as I know. But I'm pretty sure I was. I kept it together. But I, I felt a little bit. I felt a little bit of nerves. I, I was a, de- definitely a fan of Bendo. So for that to be my first uh, professional MMA interview was, was really cool. Uh, Michael, Co- now, we'll, uh, were, were, what were you guys into in high school? Again, uh, sports. Lots of sports in, in women. Uh, also, on a scale of 1 to 10, how scared should E. Casey Lydon's upcoming opponent be? And what round will be getting the stoppage? 12 seconds, baby. On a scale, on a scale of one to uh, Ryan Hall, uh, he should be <laughs> Ryan Hall frightened. Uh, by the way, uh, oh, Casey says, I, I just want to remind people, Casey's fight should be coming up around, he's not sure, but uh, last week of February. Last weekend of February. They don't know exactly what day yet, but if anyone, we will keep you posted on that. So, uh, our, and that is also the countdown for his opponent's life. So, uh, very soon. <laughs> like the Y2J countdown. Uh, yeah. John Brake, first MMA fight you ever saw? I think it was, for me, I, I think it was uh, the one I remember, Alessio Sakara and uh, Chris Lieben. I think. I think. And it burned into my brain. I just don't remember if it was the first one. but I know I watched some of the background, but the first first event I ever purchased and like begged my parents to like let me watch and buy was Tito Shamrock 1 UFC 40. Uh, I was very much into 
the WWE and the Attitude Era. So when that fight happened and that fight was on the books, I was like, I have to watch this one, and I and I, and I did. And Tito whooped his ass, and I was shocked by all, by all of that. So there you go. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Was there Mike? Was there? These are a quick, bunch of quick ones from John, right? Uh, was there a specific moment or event that made you go, like, I want to be involved in this space? I got to cover him. Boy, this that's way too long of a story. Um, I will say. Whoa. So I, I'd only done like a few MMA interviews and then I got invited out to this event out in Syracuse called the MMA Classic Fan Expo. And after having conversations out there and speaking to some of the fighters who were there, I, I was hosting a podcast, which was the SFLC podcast. It was all sports. It was just me and my buddies just talking crap about our, our local sports teams. We had some interviews. Uh, after that weekend, I said, we're, the show is now an MMA show. And that was it. From there, after having those conversations, just seeing how fascinating they were, everything changed from there. Mm. Uh, for me, oh, uh, Kimbo Slice and uh, Dada Five Thousand. I mean, I was already, I was already working in MMA, but like I, that's that's what cemented it for me. I was like, uh, this is what I want to cover for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, rumored fight that never came to be that you wish did. I mean. It's not even a rumored fight, I guess, but I, I really wish we had seen McGregor and RDA. This kind of goes with the Jose Aldo thing, where it's like, gosh, just to, just to know how different history would be, you know. It's, I mean, that was a, not rumored. I'm sorry, that's like a, that was a signed fight, but man, just another one. How, how things could have could it? Maybe nothing would have changed. Maybe maybe McGregor would have smoked him. Uh, it would have been very different for Nate Diaz, though. That's for sure. Things would be very different for Nate Diaz and possibly McGregor, depending on how the fight went. It was Fedor Brock Lesnar because I actually went oh. to that card in Dallas, and it, the main event was not Fedor versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, all-time favorite fighter to watch based on nothing except in-cage performance. I think I know your answer, but... I'm, I'm sti- I mean, I'm sticking with GSP. I mean, you thought I was going to say Ryan Hall, but no. I am sticking with GSP. Uh, I, a lot of people, you know, sort of uh, used to criticize GSP for... Look, he, he uses wrestling a lot to neutralize his opponents. Not always the most exciting thing. But for me, there was... Maybe it was opponents. Maybe it's just the way the UFC was at the time. There was just a buzz around his fights, which, uh, which for me, uh, has only been matched by a few people. Again, Ronda Rousey, McGregor, Brock Lesnar, things like that. Um, and just that he always delivered. He always won. And he always found a way to take out these very dangerous opponents of different styles. Just for, forever fascinating to me. So um, definitely my favorite fighter in that regard. I mean, on A-plus level, Anderson Silva. It's got to be. When he's on, when he's flowing out there, when he's, when he's yapping in the best way. Not like the... Damian Maya, Patrick Cote kind of way. I'm talking yeah. about like the Forrest Griffin, Chris Lieben, like those. I mean, those performances are some of the all-time greats. Like top five greatest MMA performances of all time. Anderson Silva's got at least two of them, if not three of them. So, yeah, when he's on, there's nobody better. But when he's off, there may be nobody worse. But he still wins, which makes him so great. Uh, we'll do a couple more favorite sport outside of MMA. Ak, I'm basketball by far. I, I, I when I was younger, I wanted to write about basketball. I know, and I know this is easy easy way for people to get a cheap shot at me. I know so much more about basketball than I know about MMA, uh, and uh, so uh, whatever, make your jokes, people. But um, yeah, no, I love basketball. If I had to only watch one sport as a fan, it would absolutely be basketball. I could watch basketball forever. I could watch the crappiest teams. I can watch college. I could watch Mike. I could watch your kids' teams running around probably for an hour. I wouldn't care. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. It's baseball for me. I was very, I was enthralled in the, uh, the the Red Sox playoff run. It was nice. I felt like 10 years younger. Um, a huge Red Sox fan. Fenway Park is one of my favorite places on earth. And when I went out and covered UFC 220, the media day was at Fenway Park, like in the luxury, luxury boxes. Uh, pretty amazing. That was uh, a career highlight for me, for sure. Uh, we had two more. PFL's broadcast plan for 2022. I believe their deal with ESPN ends in 2021. Also, any chance uh, they could have a co-production with Bellator? Oh. Uh, PFL's broadcast plan for 2022 is still up in the air. I know they're doing their their Challenger series on Fubo TV. I believe um, they have like an app, and they also have like their own network on the cable stream. I really hope that's not the plan for the actual broadcasts. I don't know what they're gonna do, but I'm sure there's plenty of suitors plenty of digital platforms like maybe hulu amazon something like that i think they could be players but uh co-production co-promotion with bellator um it would maybe be for a kayla fight but i don't think they would like just their structures are so different like maybe at the end of the year like maybe at the end of the year like whoever champion versus champion champion versus champion that'd be a cool event that would be so sick um never say never again uh a fairly unlikely in, in the MMA world as we know it, but 
every year surprises us. Like you said, we we you know we have no idea what the next two to four years of MMA of the combat sports landscape is going to look like. Maybe for some of these other promotions, co-promotion, co-production is the way to go. So I like the suggestion, Timmy, and and I hope it happens. I think it'd just be such a cool idea, especially the way Mike you just laid it out. The uh, your champion at the end of the year gets that million dollar prize, PFL title, and a shot at a Bellator. You could even make it non-title. I don't know if people wouldn't like that, but even just like a non-title match between the PFL champion and Bellator champion, that'd be so cool. Just Dude, you don't rights. need to put the titles on the line. Yeah, I think that'd be super rights, cool, right? and that'd so, be out of the box thinking. That'd yeah. be some great, great ideas. We need um, more of that in MMA. And then just the last question, we'll, we'll, we'll do this real quick. Bro, bro, 86. Why are there only two January UFC events out of five Saturdays? Because it's time to take a break, dude. <laughs> do you want more? Did you want like, what else more do you need? Listen, yeah, Mike, we've again, continuing this theme of you never know how the combat sports landscape is going to change. Ten years ago, the thought of there being a UFC card every weekend would have been insane. People would be like, it's no, you can't. You'll saturate the market. There's not enough There's not enough viewers for it. There's not enough fighters. It, it won't generate enough revenue. Um, and now here we are. We have the UFC Apex. So even without, even without venues to travel to, they can literally hold a card every weekend. If you count Contender Series, they've had, they hold more cards than there are weeks in the year. Um, so it's an amazing, like, I'm glad we're ending on this question because I know it seems like a pretty, like, I think your answer is right. We just need a break. Why stuff every weekend? But it's amazing that we are asking this question heading into 2022. How much has changed and that we just have UFC fights, Bellator events, Ryzen 1 all the time. It's it's, it's just amazing. I, I, I didn't see this. I thought this could happen when I got into this uh, industry. I just didn't know if it would happen so quickly. No other sports league on earth runs this kind of schedule. They just don't. They just don't. So, yes, give it. And it's not just like I'm not saying it is like a, a media member being like, oh, give us a break. Like, I don't care. Like, my job is to cover fights. And if there's fights on a Saturday and I'm working, I'm going to cover the damn fights. But their production team, their staff, like the UFC staff members, like, I mean, give these guys a break. They're, they're all working every single weekend, too. And it's nice to be home and do it at the apex. It makes life a little bit easier. But still, like, I mean, look at the events for 2022. We're talking about traveling the world again. There's events on the books for <sighs> Rio. There's events on the books for London. We're talking about going to Columbus and Houston and all these other places. Like, they need a break. Like, now we're going to start traveling again, like, on a more consistent basis. I don't think it's going to happen, by the way. I think we're going to be right back at the apex doing what we did this year, especially with the way sports looks right now and the way the world looks right now and this new variant of, of COVID-19. If the UFC can still find a way to travel, I think they will. But I think some of these international markets are going to be like, nah, nah, we'll wait. We don't no rush to, to get the UFC here. We'll just go to Vegas or go to Fight Island. They have places to go. There's no need to rush out these things. I kind of wish they kind of kept these things to themselves, especially with the way the world looks right now. But yeah, th this is... This is where we're at. This is where we're at. So, and this is where we're at, AK. We're done with this. There's still other questions, but a lot of these are prediction questions. Yes. So, perfect segue. The next two episodes are going to be prediction episodes. Uh, next week, a little less. Next week's just going to be more of a confidence lowering because AK and I. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. We are going to go through all no. of our picks. Mike, no. For 2021, and Nobody we're going to see this. how we did. Nobody wants this. Oh, they do want to see it. Because <laughs> some of the questions, I had to go back when I was flying to Tampa for Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley. I was like, oh, man, like this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend the next hour and 20 minutes. I'm going to listen to that episode. And I'm sitting there on a plane with like my elbows at my ribs because I didn't have a ton of room. And I'm trying to write this down in a notebook, like all the questions <laughs> and the answers. Um, so you're going to the reveals. We're going to see how our spicy hot takes did. And I'm going to throw this out there, AK, a little spoiler. My spicy hot take got laughed at by everybody, as it should have been, because it's not a spicy hot take if it doesn't. But I may have been right. I may have been correct with my spicy hot take. So we'll see how you think, how you feel about that, how the listeners feel about that. Uh, so the first half of our predictions extravaganza for 2022, we're going to go back to 2021, see how we did. And then the following week, that's when our official prediction show happens. We will talk champions. We will talk crazy questions. And if you guys want to submit questions as well, because a lot of these were your crazy questions, however you submit to the Otno Forum, do the same thing. Uh, you can even submit. I'm going to throw out my email right now. I don't think I've oh ever done this in the history of the show. Uh, Michael.heck at voxmedia.com. You can submit them that way. Uh, sometimes I like to take your, because you a lot of you have tremendous ideas. We just find a way to word it a little more. <laughs> A little more compellingly, if you will. Uh, 
so yeah, th- we're adding another way to that. So if you got prediction questions, send them on. AK and I will weigh them all out. We'll talk about who will be the champions in the UFC at the end of the year and all these other crazy questions. So until then, AK, any final words for the listeners heading into this uh, this final week of 2021? I mean, I, again, I hope everyone's having a good holidays, whatever it is you celebrate or choose not to celebrate. Um, it has been, like I said, we got a couple more episodes coming up, but man, it's it's not never it's never too early to take stock of, of how things have gone. And you guys have helped this podcast, I feel like, grow so much over the past year. Uh, and it's been so much fun. I say it all the time to get to recording this with my best friend is my favorite part of fight week. It is such a nice capper. It's such a nice way to end it. And uh, to have you guys, to have the listeners also take part in it and be so enthusiastic it just it fills my heart, Mike. It fills my heart, and uh, I'm really looking forward to doing this 50 something more times in 2022. <laughs> yes, it has been uh, a true joy to to host the show along with you. And this is now I'm looking at it, this is the last this is the last show of 2021. This is the very last one. Oh, okay, right, right, yeah. Yes. So wow. Okay. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, last show 2021, uh, 2022. Back at it with the prediction shows, and then I think after that it's. It's on to the UFC. I think Giga Chikadze versus Calvin Cater will be coming up on January 15th. So there we go. We're going to have a lot of fun. So send those predictions in. But until then, everybody, for AK, I am Mike Heck. Always remember, never take this stuff too seriously. It's all meant to be fun, and we'll have more fun. Well, it might not even be that fun next week, looking back at our predictions right here on On to the Next One, the podcast. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.